0: The story of the universe is an epic evolutionary tale of awesome scope. It speaks of unity and diversity, of creativity and imagination. It is the story of science. It is the story of spirit. It is our story. This is one in a series of podcasts from Green Spirits, the universe story event held in London on the 14th of March, 2015. Recorded and engineered by Richard Adams. Today, the panel discussion with questions from attendees.
1: Where do we go from here? I think the secret of life, the secret of life, yes, don't be frightened of snakes, and enjoy the apple. And don't worry that you haven't got any clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on a more serious note, yes, uh, that would be uh, a metaphor for, for be joyful. Find out what makes you happy and lifts your spirits and, and your heart. And, and then find a way of focusing your life in those areas. So, you know, what makes me happy? Well, I do love publishing very good books. Um, and I love it when the magazine comes out and people like it. But I also just get huge pleasure from growing Nepalese pepper and hazelnuts and um, vegetables and all in my no-dig system. So, th- so that's as much about my joy as being in nature. Um, and I think we have to do whatever we're called by. I mean, you mentioned being called. I think we're all called. And, and the art of life is hearing those calls and responding to them. So I would urge you to f- follow your joy, hear the call, and respond to it. And that might be, mean growing, you know, a forest garden. and um, Or it might mean just taking off your clothes and going wild swimming.
2: I love it. I'd do that in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd rather do it in Hawaii. <laughs> um, I like to say to young people, do you want a better future? It's not hard. Just start living it. Just start living it now. Treat people the way you want people to treat each other in the future. Eat the food that you'd like to have people be eating in the future. Keep your body healthy the way you want the health system to work in the future. I like the two things. Michael Pollan said, don't put anything in your mouth your mother your grandmother wouldn't have recognized as food. <laughs> Nowadays, we have to say your great-grandmother. Um, and, and the other one, don't put anything on your skin that you wouldn't put in your mouth. Your skin absorbs things very, very quickly. You want to keep your body alkaline? Don't drink baking soda. That will upset your stomach's function. Just bathe in it. Let your skin absorb it. Use the body products that you want people to use in the future. You know, go natural. And you don't want war anymore? Don't do it. If one generation decides not to do war anymore, it is gone over, finished. It isn't hard. The way the future comes about according to your dreams is the way you live it now. You become the role model for it automatically. And you will be looking healthy and feeling good and having fun, as Maddie says, so that people want to do it too. That's all.
3: So now, any questions from you? <laughs> um, a comment is, uh, and a question perhaps as well. We were talking, Madhi, about um, energy and about food and about uh, overconsumption of both in some places and lack of in other places. Um, uh, there is a country in the world where both of these things are more or less sorted out. There is a graph which is called the human development index in the vertical axis and the horizontal axis is the number of planets as resources, as a resource unit that you need to sustain a particular level of development. Of course, Europe and the northern countries in general are at the top because they have a high uh, developing index But they need three, four, or five planets to sustain that. There is another country, tiny little thing, that is also at the top, but on the left of the graph, and requires about 0.7 planets. And that little country is Cuba. So Cuba has an example for the rest of the world, for whatever reason, They managed to reduce their consumption of energy and they managed to implement and encourage you uh, people to see that beautiful video which is is called the power of community. The power of community tells how people, normal citizens, in their own is the system of allotments that was in this country still today after the war when you have your own, you grow your own food at home. And that's how they managed to survive the collapse of the Soviet Union when they lost that, uh, that support. They call that a, a periodo special, the special period. And that is an example. By force, they were forced by the blockade still there, uh, despite everything still there. But by the blockade, they were forced to reduce the energy consumption but they didn't reduce the, the human development index. So that is an example for the rest of the world to follow in a microcosm, and I think uh, we have to change, if we have to change these paradigm shifts that we're talking about, there is one, an example there that is, 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 is good to follow.
0: Yes, the
1: corner. It's just more of a comment. I believe that if everybody expressed and experienced their creativity, the world would be just fine.
0: What I would like to know is where do you think we should go? Well, I think this is important because you know, what are we here for? Let's just What I would like to know is where do we go from here? Do we go fragmented or do we go into a larger scale union and have a global form of governance? Would someone like to, one of you would like to respond?
2: I believe we will be automatically fragmented by climate change. (laughs) I don't believe in one world government anymore um, because it isn't like nature. Nature doesn't do centralized. In every ecosystem there's no one species in charge. Everything knows what to do. It acts like the organs of your body. Your brain is not a central government in your body. It's a clearinghouse for information and the decisions are made largely at local levels once the information is spread around. So we're clearly going into networked governance, self-governance, networked. We can communicate so far. Let's hope that the Internet holds up, that we can still talk to each other before we've relearned telepathy, <laughs> communion. Um, but I, I don't think we will have larger centralized organizations. It will be the opposite. Biomimicry enables us to make lighter technologies that are recyclable, that are more locally producible, um, you know, uh, Hydrogen balloons need only landing pads, not big airstrips. When all the piers and all the airports are washed out at once in most of the big cities in the world on the coasts, there will be supply line interruptions that are major, and no government is doing anything to prepare for this. Um, except possibly China, who moved Dongtan City and Shanghai Harbor uphill uh, to rebuild it after they'd almost built the whole thing. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're all going to be bootstrapping. We're all going to be bootstrapping. And by the way, last summer, I spoke at the Boom Festival in Portugal. How many of you have heard of it? 42,000 people setting up their own infrastructure, including permaculture gardens, recycling all the water from hundreds of food concessions uh, into through reed beds back into a lake, using all solar lighting so that it lit up like a fairyland at night when the sun went down. And these are the people who I think are going to be really in demand. Oh, 350 composting toilets that could turn your poo back into fertilizer within a couple weeks. When there are masses of refugees running around the world having to camp out and and function, these are the people who are gonna be the experts called on. I think that'll be very interesting to watch. So watch these big music festivals, especially the ones that are into permaculture and stuff because Burning Man is not, but boom is.
0: Up at the, uh, the yeah. Elizabeth,
4: I found that response very interesting because uh, in your presentation you're talking about the direction of evolution being what you might say in higher orders of harmony and integration so I suppose you know the notion of a world government is in that direction now however my question to you is that um, without some form of organization Uh, Because we're fragmented and tend towards tribalism, or have tended towards tribalism, or that's a large part of the world's consciousness, is in a tribal state. Um, How do you see the organization emerging, then, that's going to allow us to live peaceably? What form of the organization? Because there's always an expression of organization at every level of evolution.
2: Yes, that's true, but I remember I said I hope that global communications hold up, that we can share our knowledge, our expertise, our ideas, our peacekeeping, uh, things like that. You don't need a centralized government. When, when ARPANET was commissioned by the Army to create a web of communications in which any part bombed out didn't matter to the whole system, they lost that kind of control that central government wants to have. And so we have to follow nature. Your body functions and there is no central control, you know, dictation or anything, but there's information flow throughout the system. And that's what the internet is giving us back. So we can do this thing like an ecosystem where everything knows every local, Place knows, every bioregion knows what its water supply is and what it can produce there. And once it's self-sufficient locally, it can engage in trade, free, fair trade with any other part of the system that it makes sense to do that with. Uh, You know, if, if Spain can't grow coffee, we can still do boats across to Morocco for it or whatever. You know, you don't have to go all the way around the world for your food supply. But um, you know, it's about sharing information. And by the way, do you all know the Open Source Everything Manifesto by Robert David Steele who says, He's an, he's an ex-CIA spy trainer, You know, trained thousands of spies, came out saying the entire spying industry is completely useless in terms of strategic information because they never connect the secret information with the openly available information. And information that you get under duress is usually pretty bad anyway. Uh, and he says, all humans should have access to all human knowledge freely, including all technology. So we get more and more into biomimicry, more and more into the clean green, and into sharing so that anyone locally, you know, all parts of the world can produce technologies that can join up our transportation systems, whatever we want. Global grid a la Bucky Fuller is unnecessary. It doesn't make sense. It makes more sense to produce your energy locally and to produce your food locally. But as far as information sharing goes and peacekeeping, that can be done throughout the grid. Now all that said, I don't believe we're ever going to get a paradise planet here. I'm not a utopian in that sense because I do believe in reincarnation and I do think Earth is a school for souls and that we're always going to get people who have a lot to learn (laughs) and who try to be upstarts again and cause trouble. But if enough of us are working with local governance and we maybe we need some international laws that we hope everyone will abide by by not making nasty weapons, for instance. We have to take all the incentives out of warfare. We can't talk people out of making money who are in a system that's designed to make money, to to shift the wealth from the bottom to the top. There is no trickle down. We know that now. We have this extreme, it's falling apart, and you're going to be witness to it, most of us. (laughs) A lot of that crumbling, and what we have to do is, like one of the quotes said, you don't attack the system you don't want, you build the one you do. So build the lifeboats, because a lot of people can survive if we do.
4: I'm not part of Green Spirit. I'm going to be literally provocative with question to you, Elizabeth. Um, capitalism has been very good. I will live to the age of 80, possibly because of capitalism. Capitalism is bringing a lot, millions of people in China out of poverty. Are you anti-capitalist? Yeah.
2: I'm not an anti-capitalist. I don't know what we're going to call it other than ecosophy when we do it right, when we make our economy subservient to, to, uh, the ecology, to the planet. Um, yes, capitalism has brought us benefits. Some of the technology is really good, and that's why I don't want to do the paradigm shift where we destroy the old, scientific uh, basis because they're very good at technology and I want to hear Mozart played in my house and, and the good aspects. When they mess in the food supply and the health system, they're causing some serious damage. When capitalism permits the inten- the, the most extreme wealth divide we've ever had, that's not good. We don't want that kind of capitalism. We want the natural capitalism that, you know, our our friends write books about. So I, I don't care what we call it. I don't particularly like the name capitalism. Both capitalism and communism are kind of failed now in the sense that capitalism is absolutely incompatible with democracy as it is practiced today. You cannot have a democracy with the current capitalist system. It's not possible. So uh, that's part of what's going to go and what we call the new system. I like the, the, the priest who started the Mondragon Cooperatives in Spain 30 years ago said, let's design a new society that isn't capitalism or communism, but a society based on real true human values, caring for each other. Can we do that? And they have survived the recession much better than the rest of Spain. Some of the businesses went out of business. But on the whole, those banks that were within the community have worked well. And it's neither capitalism nor communism. It's about community. It's about real community, and that's what we have to form. So I'm not knocking the benefits that we have gotten, but we have to get clear about what works and what doesn't. And we need multiple sciences so that the sciences that really understand life can talk to the Western science that does not understand life well.
4: A couple of points. Um, I like the idea of us needing a story to tell, but I think we should use more organic language. Um, In some places it's called eco-literacy. For example, the Big Bang is a very materialistic, explosive sort of concept. Um, And I much prefer living on a living planet um, that we use uh, a term like the Big Birth. I know a different term was used by Greg, but to use something that represents and is a metaphor for life, uh, to me, is a better idea. Also, I'm confused by uh, the idea of a linear story, um, which is in front of us, because the story can be told in a circular or even spiral way. How does the panel think that the linear and the circular can be um, accommodated together, perhaps? Just on on the Big Bang issue, I mean, I totally agree with that. Um, I I also think it's quite important to take conceptions that people are very familiar with and subvert them. So (laughs) that's what I was trying to do this morning. Um, And the linear story, uh, I mean, I suppose in our culture, again, I mean, taking ideas that people have and subverting them, our, our stories do tend to be quite linear. They have a beginning and an end. And... And I feel there are enough kind of radical aspects within the story that kind of the, the new emergent universe story, you know, for it, for it being linear to be OK. And
1: my response would be that we've, we live in a society that's always educated us and told us linear stories, but those aren't the stories of transformation. And that we do have to look at nature and biomimicry and those circular systems to understand how to survive and thrive on this planet, and that we have to shift our storytelling onto that circular model. So that, as T.S. Eliot said, that we arrive back in the place where we started and know it for the first time. And I think in that poem is one of life's greatest insights.
2: Anyone ever see the book called Stalking the Wild Pendulum, Itzhak like Bentov, 1970s? <laughs> yeah, before Einstein, I said this in my little group, uh, most of the British physicists believed in the smoke ring universe. Smoking. The smoke ring universe. Lord Kelvin took a box into the Royal Society that he could blow pipe smoke into and tap and get perfect smoke rings to come out. And he said, this is the only geometry that can hold its own in space. This is the model of the universe. And Bentoff added, if you stood on that donut and looked down into the hole, which was infinitely small, you'd say, the universe started at a point source and has been expanding ever since. You don't look behind you to see that it's all being recycled into the other side. And the problem with the standard model in physics is that it has four forces, radiation, gravity, small and uh, strong and weak nuclear forces. And they're trying desperately to integrate radiation and gravitation, and they haven't really succeeded. Because what happens is that when you really study gravity, you find out there's no dark energy, there's no dark matter, but the two Atomic forces, the strong and weak force, are on the gravity curve at that level so that what you get is the yin-yang symbol where I think the ancients understood a universe in balance between the outward radiation spiral and the inward gravitational spiral and the two moving back and forth into each other. It's, a, it's my favorite symbol in all history, and the Hunab Ku symbol of the Mayans is essentially the same. Uh, so I think where if, if everything that Greg talked about about the expansion, about the evolution, is there. It's there. It's not wrong, but it's wrong to think that that point came out of nothing because it's recycled universe.
0: I mean, also for summing up. <laughs> What can I say? It's been absolutely magnificent. A huge amount of um, enthusiasm, new ideas. Um, I'd like to thank everyone, all the, all the panelists here. So go home safely.
3: Standing on um, The no, ones who no. came before us Remember <laughs> our ancestors <laughs> Our mothers and our fathers Our grandmas and our grandpas Just remember our ancestors Our great-great-great-great-grandmas And our great-great-great-great-grandpas Back to the beginning of time To the first man and the first woman And smiling near each other's hand And stepped over the line We've been a long time coming. been a long time coming. We've been a long time coming. Let's not blow it now. We humans are newcomers to this planet Earth of wonders.
0: The panel discussion was chaired by Chris Clark, author of Weaving the Cosmos and was made up of Maddy Harland, editor of Permaculture magazine, Greg Water, co-author of the Universe Story in Science and Myth, Elizabeth Sartoris, internationally known evolution biologist. There were contributions from Atleties, and the closing song was by Eric Madden. If you would like to find out more about Green Spirit, why not visit our website www.greenspirit.org.uk